This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, and you're listening to the flagship show with Eric Woods. Welcome back to our celebration of John Williams' 90th birthday, right here on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast. Williams turns 90 on February 8th, 2022. This is part four of this six part podcast series. During this part, we'll be featuring music from 1987 to 1996. In 1987, John Williams would return to the comedy genre with the adaptation of John Updike's The Witches of Eastwick, starring an all-star cast, Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, Susan Sarandon, and Cher. Williams wrote a terrific score for the film, highlighted by two themes. One is called The Balloon Sequence, a cue that went mostly unused in the film. It features one of John Williams' finest tunes, an old-school romantic piece that is amongst one of the greatest pieces of music John Williams has ever composed. Here's an excerpt. The other theme is for the township of Eastwick. And instead of playing the concert suite or the piece that was played under the end credits, I'm going to play something that sounds much like the end credits, but has some more interesting variations to the piece, as this was a cue that was actually featured in the score proper and was part of one of the major scenes. This is called The Ride Home, from the Witches of Eastwick.
The Ride Home, featuring John Williams' main theme for the township of Eastwick, from the film The Witches of Eastwick, released in 1987. That same year, John Williams would reunite with Steven Spielberg after missing out on scoring The Color Purple to score arguably one of Steven Spielberg's greatest epics, Empire of the Sun. Exaltate Justi, from one of the most underappreciated and misunderstood Steven Spielberg films of all time, Empire of the Sun, released in 1987. Another fantastic cue from this Academy Award-nominated score is Cadillac of the Skies, featuring one of the most inspired themes John Williams has ever written, and one of my all-time favorite Spielberg scenes, as Jim, played by Christian Bale, has a dream come true right in front of his eyes.
Cadillac of the Skies, from the 1987 film Empire of the Sun. In 1988, John Williams would write a small score for The Accidental Tourist. And then, a year later, supply what was to be the last Indiana Jones score to Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade in 1989. For The Last Crusade, Steven Spielberg noted in the liner notes of the original release of the score, and I quote, What I think is different in many ways about this score is that only fragments of the familiar Indiana Jones theme are used. We felt the movies had grown up to a point that we didn't have to lean on your thrill button every time something heroic occurs, as we had done in the previous two motion pictures. End quote. One of the numerous highlights in this score is the scherzo for motorcycle and orchestra. Steven Spielberg had this to say about the piece. Quote, The scherzo, underlining the father and son exploits, which is in a driving, brilliant orchestral idiom with a 6-8 rhythm, the kind of music you might imagine for a wild fox hunt. This scene is equestrian in character, but it's transposed on something nearly contemporary. Instead of riding horses, which is what the music reminds us of. Instead, we hear this when they're being pursued on motorcycles." End quote. Thank you. 
The Scherzo for Motorcycle and Orchestra, from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, released in 1989. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. That same year, John Williams would team up with writer-director Oliver Stone for the first of three collaborations, born on the 4th of July. According to the liner notes of the Phillips CD, Music for Stage and Screen, Williams thought first of a haunting trumpet call, the play over top of Stone's film, about Ron Kovic and his real-life odysseys from Vietnam War soldier to anti-war activist. On the original soundtrack recording, the trumpet solos were performed by Tim Morrison.
the main theme from the 1989 film Born on the Fourth of July. In 1990, Steven Spielberg would remake the 1943 romantic fantasy drama A Guy Named Joe into Always, starring Richard Dreyfuss, Holly Hunter, and John Goodman. The biggest change story-wise to the film was that Spielberg changed the setting from wartime to a more modern aerial firefighting operation. John Williams wrote some gorgeous horn solos for the film, which were performed by James Thatcher, who performed on numerous scores for John Williams since 1989, including JFK, Jurassic Park, Sleepers, and The Patriot. The score is absolutely gorgeous and really hammers home the film's timeless story of romance, loss, and love, while giving it all a dreamlike quality.
Dorinda's Solo Flight, from Always, released in 1990. Bringing you the very best music for film, TV, and video games, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. his career, John Williams has provided themes for many sporting events, from NFL football to the Olympic Games. Many know his brilliant Olympic fanfare and theme from the 1984 Summer Olympics. We played that in the third part of the series. And he had a theme written for the NBC Sports Division in 1988 for the Seoul Korea Games. He also wrote an outstanding piece for the Summer Games in Atlanta. masterpiece called Call of the Champions for the 2002 Winter Games in Salt Lake City, Utah. And his NFL theme can still be heard in a more contemporary fashion every Sunday on NBC during football season.
However, there is one theme that many people don't know exists. At least I didn't until a few years ago. In 1989, John Williams wrote a fanfare for the 1989 Alpine Ski Championships. And in 2006, the Denver Brass performed the first recording of that theme on their John Williams-themed album. Winter Games Fanfare for the 1989 Alpine Ski Championships. Williams has also written other impressive non-film related pieces, 
whether as a wedding gift to a Japanese princess with sound of bells, the centennial celebrations for the Statue of Liberty, Boston's 350th anniversary with Jubilee 350, and this, my personal favorite non-film-related John Williams work, Celebration Discovery, composed in 1990 for the 500th anniversary of the arrival of Christopher Columbus to America. This piece premiered on July 4, 1990, and was recorded on CD for the first time in 2000 on the album American Journey. The Brilliant Celebrate Discovery, written in 1990 by John Williams. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, and you're listening to The Flagship Show with Eric Woods.
That was music from the fantastic 1990 Harrison Ford drama Presumed Innocent, featuring an underrated dramatic score by John Williams. That same year, John Williams wrote another severely underrated gem, and one that I'm not ashamed to say is one of Williams' finest scores for Stanley and Iris. Williams crafted not one, not two, but three brand new themes, including the charming main title piece, a playful little tune called Reading Lessons, and then a third light and breezy melody for The Bicycle. The score is dominated by soft strings, delicate piano, and flute, and is an absolute delight.
the main theme from Stanley and Iris, released in 1990. Now, the big hit for John Williams in 1990 was scoring the insanely popular Home Alone, written by John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus, and starring Macaulay Culkin in his breakout role. Now, originally, Columbus reached out to Bruce Broughton to score the film, but Broughton decided that he wanted to work for Disney and score The Rescuers Down Under instead. So, Columbus took a chance to ask John Williams to score the film, thinking he would never say yes. Actually, Williams wasn't really interested in writing more film music in 1990, having scored two other films, and he was also working on a clarinet concerto. But a friend talked Williams into a screening of Home Alone, and afterwards, Williams said the film gave him the same feelings he got when he watched E.T. Williams saw the film's potential right away and agreed to score the film. Williams ended up writing roughly 50 minutes of score based on five major themes, including the central main theme. Williams saw potential for that melody, so he rang up Leslie Brickus in France and asked him to write lyrics to the tune. In a few weeks, the lyrics were written, and Somewhere in My Memory was born. At the same time, another Williams melody was made into a song which would eventually become Star of Bethlehem. Now, who knows what Bruce Broughton would have written for the film. I'm sure it would have been fantastic, and he eventually worked with John Hughes on Miracle on 34th Street a few years later, but could you imagine a world without Somewhere in My Memory? Well, here now is the end title suite from Home Alone featuring a beautiful rendition of We Wish You a Merry Christmas and then a playing of the We Slept In music and then the Wet Bandits theme, which I absolutely adore, and then a final performance of the Oscar-nominated song Somewhere in My Memory. Thank you. 
the end title suite from Home Alone, released in 1990. In 1991, John Williams and Steven Spielberg would team up for Hook, a film many years in the making, a film that was initially going to be a big screen musical in the mid 80s. Williams even crafted some tunes for the songs that were going to be used in the film. When plans for a musical was scrapped, Williams reused some of those tunes in this live action sequel to J.M. Barry's Peter Pan, which asked the question, what if Peter Pan grew up to look like Robin Williams? The exciting and swashbuckling The Flying Sequence, from 1991's Hook. During this same year, John Williams would team up again with Oliver Stone and work on his next film, JFK.
John Williams's entire score to JFK was actually written based only on the script. Williams didn't have time to compose music to the picture. In an article written by Richard Dyer and published by the Boston Globe in January of 1992, he had this to say about the score. For JFK, Williams worked in a way that was almost unique in his experience. He wrote six musical sequences, which were recorded in full before he had seen the entire film. Then John Williams is quoted as saying, After the pop season last summer, I went down to New Orleans, where Oliver Stone, the director, was still shooting the movie, and I saw about an hour's worth of the cut and some of the dailies. I thought the handling of Lee Harvey Oswald was particularly strong, and I understood some of the atmosphere of the film, the sword elements, and the underside of New Orleans." End quote. After Williams had scored and recorded his sequences, Stone cut the film to the music, or to parts of the music he decided to use.
That was the finale from JFK, released in 1991. In 1992, the Days of Thunder couple, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman teamed up with director Ron Howard for the adventure romance Far and Away about a boy and a girl who leave Ireland to begin a new life in America. Teaming up with the Chieftains, Williams crafted a Celtic-flavored score utilizing traditional Irish instrumentation and the adventurous sounds of the classical symphony orchestra.
excerpts from the end credits to Far and Away, released in 1992. You're listening to The Flagship Show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network with your host, Eric Woods. The contemporary tease from John Williams' library music for NBC's 1992 coverage of the Barcelona Summer Olympics. Williams would write four Olympic-related pieces based on his Olympic fanfare and theme for NBC. The prime tease, the dramatic tease, a new recording of the Olympic fanfare and theme, and what we just played, the high-tempo contemporary tease. At the end of 1992, the sequel to the 1990 smash hit Home Alone was released. Home Alone 2 Lost in New York was a delightful retelling of somewhat the same story, but with bigger stakes in the big city. Williams' sequel score revisited much of the first film's musical material, but it added new themes and set pieces, especially during the action sequences. Two more Christmas tunes were penned with lyricist Leslie Brickus, Christmas Star, and Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. My favorite cue from the score is Arrival in New York. Mike Mattesino in the liner notes to the Home Alone 2 expanded release on La La Land Records had this to say about the cue. Quote, This cue immediately thrusts us into a Manhattan mood with a sophisticated on-the-town style fanfare as Kevin recognizes the familiar skyline and dashes over to the gate agent to confirm his suspicions. His realization leads to an unused cue, which Williams infuses the main theme with the bustle and pageantry that epitomizes Christmas in New York. In the film, All Alone on Christmas by Darlene Love was used in its place.
The Unused Arrival in New York, from Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, released in 1992. 1993 would end up being one of the biggest years of John Williams' career. The year began with him providing the score to Steven Spielberg's mega-blockbuster Jurassic Park. Williams crafted numerous themes, but none more popular than the sweeping, noble Jurassic Park main theme first heard when we, as the audience, along with our main characters, first get a glimpse of the walking and breathing dinosaurs. This theme would be associated with the less threatening herbivores. The other theme is known as the Journey to the Island theme, or the Island theme, a bold, adventurous fanfare. One interesting factoid about the making of this score was that John Williams teamed up with the sound editors and mixers and listened to a cut of the film with just the sound effects. Sound editor Richard Hems explained in the making of Jurassic Park book that John Williams and the sound team could make holes for each other so that one would not interfere with each other, that the sound effects wouldn't drown out the music and the music wouldn't drown out the sound effects. It was a fairly new kind of collaboration, especially for the sound team.
The Jurassic Park main theme as performed by the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra and conducted by Eric Kunzel. While the score to Jurassic Park was being recorded, Steven Spielberg was in Poland, shooting his next film. Schindler's List would end up being one of Steven Spielberg's most personal films, based on the 1982 non-fiction novel Schindler's Ark by Australian novelist Thomas Kennelly. The film follows Oscar Schindler, played by Liam Neeson, a German industrialist who saved more than a thousand mostly Polish-Jewish refugees from the Holocaust by employing them in his factories during World War II. In the liner notes of the original release of Schindler's List, Steven Spielberg mentions the following, quote, With dignity and compassion, John Williams has composed original and stunningly classical music for Schindler's List in a collection of themes and orchestral remembrances that will haunt you. The choice John Williams made was gentle simplicity. Most of our films together have required an almost operatic accompaniment, which is fitting for Indiana Jones, those encounters, or Jaws. Each of us had to depart from our own characteristic styles and begin again." End quote. Joining John Williams was world-renowned violinist Ichtak Perlman. While his performance in the main Schindler's List theme and the secondary Remembrances theme is heartbreaking, I personally prefer the full instrumental version of Remembrances over the solo violin piece. I'm not trying to take away anything from Perlman's performance, which is utterly brilliant, but I find I have a much more emotional connection with the piece when the primary theme is performed by all the members of the Boston Symphony String Section. The lush sound is absolutely gorgeous.
Remembrances from Schindler's List. This would be Williams' fifth and last Academy Award win. After Schindler's List, John Williams would take a bit of a break. Actually, one of the first things he did was retire as conductor of the Boston Pops. However, he is still a Laurent conductor and returns to Boston for summer concerts. Williams would return to scoring feature films in 1995 with the remake of Sabrina, starring Harrison Ford and Julia Armand, supplying the film with one of Williams's finest pieces for piano. from the main theme to Sabrina, released in 1995. John Williams would also team up with Oliver Stone for a third and final time on Nixon, this film would inspire Williams to craft one of his most impressive dramatic scores to date, featuring what I consider to be one of the greatest pieces of trailer music ever written. The Nixon trailer was actually double the length of normal trailers. At 4 minutes and 30 seconds, it was a mini-movie in itself that manages not to give most of the film away. It's a miracle, actually. Williams composed numerous themes for the film, including this one, called the 1960s, the Turbulent Years, written exclusively for the trailer to Nixon.
the trailer music from Oliver Stone's Nixon. Williams would receive an Academy Award nomination for his score. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, and you're listening to The Flagship Show with Eric Woods. The last score we're going to play for you today comes from Barry Levinson's dark drama about a group of boys who are sent to a detention center for a prank that went wrong and are brutalized over the course of many years during their stay. The film was based on Lorenzo Carcaterra's novel of the same name. Williams' score, while away from the film and without context, might not impress. Its use in the film, however, is without a doubt magnificent, highlighted by a bizarre theme that takes its time throughout the film to finally come to a satisfying resolution at the very last moment. That's it for part four of our six-part tribute to composer John Williams. On the next episode, we'll feature music from 1997 to 2004, including selections from The Lost World Jurassic Park, Seven Years in Tibet, Saving Private Ryan, The Phantom Menace, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, The Patriot, Minority Report, and many more. My name is Eric Woods. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. And until next time, take care wherever you are in this world, and happy listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the show, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's intro music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter, at Cinematic Sound on Facebook, and from wherever you're listening to us today, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. Reviews help introduce potential new listeners to the show. While you're at it, head over to TeePublic to find yourself a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt and support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash cinematicsoundradio. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net.